Welcome to the HU Pirate Ship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com where we talk about the pirates. It's free and anyone can join. Verified pirates are treated to inside information about HU and HU Athletics. I'm your host, Tariq, a.k.a. Big Reek from the HU Pirate Ship website, and I'm a 2000 alum. We also have our uh, faithful Hamptonite, also from the HU Pirate Ship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Oh, nothing much, man. You know, just gearing down for football, and hopefully, you know, we have women's basketball and men's basketball coming up. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. It is that time. It is that time. But uh, we're still, still going through this football season. So, you know, we, we just lost to South Carolina State this weekend, 34 to 20. And my word for the week is suspensions. So out of the <laughs> blue, <laughs> uh, David Watford. Uh, he was suspended. Of course, starting quarterback, Michael Young, starting center, he was suspended. Justin George, safety, he was suspended. And Robert Zim- Zimmerman, he was suspended. All, none of those guys played due to coach's decision. Word on the street is that those were, they were all suspended. More interestingly enough, um, all three, all, all those guys are all transfers, and three of them are grad students. So, you know, you're not really expecting that from those guys, and you're actually expecting those guys, in theory, to be to show leadership um, and help guide the guy, the young guys on 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 you know how to do things the correct way. But apparently, there's some uh, some issues going on with the program. So, you know, it's two ways to look at it. I, I suppose either this is a move to uh, save the ship, or, in the words of Michael Ray Robinson, this ship be sinking. So <laughs> hopefully it's it's uh, more the former and not the latter. So, um, hey, Hampton Knight, man, any thoughts about these suspensions, man? What's going on? Uh, well, we can never know. And the rumors that have come out through the department, you know, you can't really confirm. So it just sounds, sounds like there's a disconnect between these transfers and the coaching staff. And... You know, you look at, you know, we have three, um, three graduates out of the group, and then we have one that is, I would say, just a transfer. And you wonder if these graduates are serious about their education. You know, yeah, they graduated from uh, their institutions, then transferred to Hampton, but do they feel that, you know, I'm just here to play football and – you know, that can hurt our uh, team's APR in the future. But I'm not saying that, you know, if this is the case, but, you know, there's always rumor and conjecture. But I just do think that if you are a graduate student or a transfer that is an upperclassman, then you should have some level of maturity, you know, to to showcase for the younger recruits who will be, the cornerstone of the programs in the coming years. So that's pretty much, you know, I can say at the moment, but, you know, it's just not really good. You know, if you're a grad student and this is maybe your last chance of playing collegiate football and, or just football in general for the rest of your life, you wouldn't want to go out and stay. No, I agree. I agree. It's, um, it's disturbing, but, you know, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, Maynard, he has the support of, you know, powers that be and apparently to make these kind of decisions but he's got to build this program and you know and and instill some discipline we've talked all year about the team lacking that uh discipline so um this is probably the ultimate sign of that lack of discipline so he's got to start turning this ship around and getting folks to be accountable so you know hey you when when this happens you you kind of sit down the big boys if they're really acting up 
show the young guys about how things will be done around, you know, at uh, down at Armstrong Stadium. So, but it, it is disturbing. It is disturbing. Um, you know, that's not what we're expecting from those guys. So, very disturbing. But I think there's more to come. But like you said, lots of rumors and stories about what's going on, which we won't get into. But it is disturbing about the turn of events. So. Yeah, as a result, um, you know, we lost to South Carolina State this week. We probably would have lost even if we had those guys, but perhaps it would have been a little bit more competitive. Uh, this game was never really close. Um, now, uh, as a result of losing this game, the team is 4-5. and five. Um, Two games left. Hopefully they can, you know, get these two and get over 500, but team's now 4-5. and five. So as we do every week, we're going to go through the good, the bad, and uh, everything in between. So, uh, the bad, we'll start out with the suspensions. We talked about that a little bit. And then the the weekly bugaboo, it seems, uh, special teams. So uh, special teams help contribute to 21 of South Carolina State's 34 points. So Faber Kenny's first punt was blocked, which led to uh, South Carolina State's first TD. Then South Carolina State converted a fourth and eight with a fake punt run, uh, and they converted that to a first down. And then they went on to score – a touchdown after that, and then they returned a kickoff 89 yards for another touchdown. So that's three, three, uh, three goofs and uh, 21 points for South Carolina State. So special teams reared its ugly head again. Um, also, the offense was sacked. Uh, Jarrell Antoine, who started in place of uh, Wofford, he was sacked 11 times. Um, blame goes to everyone on those receivers, linemen, or Antoine himself. Um, it was just a a total team uh, effort for as far as sacks are concerned. And uh, prior to these 11 sacks, Watford had only been sacked eight times in the previous game. So it's uh, uh, pretty much, you know, as bad as it gets as far as sacks are concerned. Um, the defense gave up 197 yards rushing. Uh, uh, Hampton also had eight penalties uh, once again. Um, and also the offense was able to move the ball at times. Defense put them in good positions. Uh, they did have some uh, – were able to move the ball. And they had first and goal twice in the first half, and they came up with zero points. So when they had opportunities, they didn't take advantage of them. And then another disturbing side, and who knows what the reason uh, for this is, uh, the drop-off is uh, Grooms. He was blanked. He had zero tackles and zero sacks uh, in this game. So that's sort of two games in a row where, you know, he really wasn't effective. So I hope he's not injured, and I uh, hope it's just uh, funk or just getting a lot of extra attention. So – um, you know, that's the bad list, uh, pretty pretty much repeating what we see weekly. So anything else to mention there, uh, Hampton Knight? You know what? Just going over the game, you know, first let's just start with the uh, – we've already discussed the suspensions. Um, and I think we have gone over ad nauseum the special teams, you know. Favorite Kenny, you know, had a punt block for a touchdown. Then – you, then we give up an 89-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, you know. This is the message that we have been preaching for the past four to five, six years. I mean, six weeks. It, and, feels, it feels like years, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels like years. And nothing has nothing has uh, improved, you know. So it's like the definition of insanity. It's basically doing the same thing over and over again and not receiving the same results. And that's how I think we feel, and I hopefully that is how Maynard feels. You know, it's like he's yelling into a brick wall. Wall, You know, the special teams has just not stepped up to the plate. Um, you know, Jarrell Antoine, you know, sacked 11 times, you know, and 
I've watched, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his game, but I've noticed that he does hold on the ball way too long. Um, and he just does not have the, I think, the continuity with the receivers as Watford has, you know, because they've been working all year. And I do think that he does try to keep his eyes on down the field if he's in trouble. And I think he's better on the edge rather than just standing at the pocket. So there's two different philosophies when you have those quarterbacks, you know, out on the field. And as far as Miles Groom, Grooms is concerned, I think we're seeing him, like, uh, at, you know, of course when he's a down lineman. You know, that's not really his natural position, you know. So, I mean, if you're going up against a six foot seven, a six foot six tackle, 325, 340 pounds, yeah. You know, if you don't have the head of steam that you build up coming off the edge as a strong side or a weak side linebacker, you're going to suffer some. So, I think what Miles Grooms is concerned is that, you know, he's just out of position and we just don't have the actual personnel for him to play or the actual scheme for him to play what he truly is. Yeah, agree, agree. You know, and you know, just to we need we need those those game changing plays on defense. You need those sacks. You need that pressure. Um, and yeah, just, you need sacks. You need yeah, you're right. You need sacks. You need interceptions. You know, just get the ball loose. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. Make him hear them footsteps. So exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. You know, big loss in production there. So yeah, um, we, yeah, you're right. And we have not had a true pass rusher since uh, hell. I guess, I mean, I, I would say Marcus Dixon or, you know, Kendall Langford or those guys. Um, I, I was going to even go back to the guy who went to the New York Giants. Oh, uh, I killed him. Yeah, I killed him, you know. So, you know, until we have those type of players in our, our defense, you know, I'm not, and I'm not saying Miles Williams can be that guy, but we just don't have a player right now that strikes there in the rest of the act. No, we uh, but you know we had it. That, that's why I wonder if it's injury. Of course, you know you don't get an injury report. But prior, but prior to the William and Mary game, um, Grooms had some pretty dominant stretches. Like he was leading the conference in sacks and uh, tackles for loss. Um, so he had his moments. But you know recently something something happened. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that it's injury because he plays hard and uh, you know he, he's um, been dominant at times. So I'm hoping it's injury. We're not hoping, but you know that that would be a, a, a good explanation for for what, what's happening here uh, on the defense. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, the list of bad. So you know, good actually. Uh, Antoine, once he seemed to get his feet under him, um, he did play better. Um, he had uh, 223 yards. He was uh, 17 of 32. Uh, uh, completions. Um, he had two touchdowns and one interception, uh, but of course he had the sacks. But you know, like when he when he winds up and he throws, I mean, he could throw a laser, man. I mean, he's got he's got a great arm, um, and at times that showed during the game. And then he started. He really brought his boy back from last year, Saquon Gooding. Uh, he led the team in catch receptions, if I'm not mistaken. But that was his guy last year that he went to. So given all the injuries at receiver and you know. Um, you know, he was able to team up with Gooding again and, and get him back on track. So there's some promise there with Antoine. We saw that, uh, but, you know, he's got to hit the weight room, man. He's, they said he listed at 156 pounds. I mean, you can't can't play all year at quarterback 156 pounds. So, but uh, Absolutely. I mean, 
that is a function of, I would say, uh, undisciplined. You know, I don't know if that, if that is what Ader wants him to be at, but you remember when we had Pinchston Shepard, you know, on the, on the uh, roster, you know, he was, He's what six foot four, no six five, and he, he didn't even crack two hundred pounds. You know, it's like you have to if, to be able to take the pounding of bigger MIAC teams or bigger teams in the FCS conference. You're gonna have to have the weight, yep. and uh, and you know, 151 pounds, 156 pounds. You know, you need to take some muscle milk, or you know, take some creatine, something legal, of course, <laughs> right. Right. I mean, so, something that does not affect your, um, your, I would say, your game. You know, you don't want to be too heavy, but you have to be able to withstand punishment. You know, you, you cannot last if you take 11 sacks in one, um, in one game at, at, at your weight and your height. Impossible. Yeah, that's not – that's just impossible. I wonder – you know, if they still give away, like, the, the extra gravy at, at gourmet services with the biscuits, maybe <laughs> go, go for some extras or something, man. But, yeah, he's got to pick up some weight, uh, you know, if he's going to be the main guy next year. Um, but, he, you know, he got the tools. He's got the tools. So Absolutely. And he showed some of them against South Carolina State. Um, and then Justin, Will, Justin Williams, I think he was the uh, transfer from uh, Michigan State. He got his first interception. So that was a, a kudos to him for – Making a play on defense, so I don't really have much else good from this game, man. Um, any anything else? Anything I mentioned uh, left out? No, I think you pretty much covered it all. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the Miac scoreboard. Uh, <laughs> no upsets, no no shockers uh, this week in the Miac. Uh, everything went as expected. Uh, North Carolina A and T uh, beat Florida A and M twenty eight to ten. Bethune Cookman beat Delaware State forty-nine to twenty-one. In the best game of the week, uh, North Carolina Central beat Norfolk State twenty-four to sixteen, and then Howard uh, beat Savannah State fifty-five to nine. That 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 is probably my shock. I, I thought Savannah State would win uh, this game. They looked like they were on up and up, but uh, Howard Howard uh, Howard showed some some resilience, some pride, and, and put together a beatdown on Savannah State. So. I guess that would be my only shock. Uh, shock. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, yep. So, yeah, so, you know, the, we are winding down, of course, to the end of the year. So, if everyone is not familiar, this year the MEAC gave up its automatic qualifying bid to the playoffs in favor of sending the league champion to the Celebration Bowl. Much discussion about the Celebration Bowl and – do you like it? Do you not like it? Hampton and I, we're going to talk about that in depth probably <laughs> at the end of the season when we figure out who's going where. Um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of Celebration Bowl, but that's where the league is going. But uh, we still can receive an at-large bid into the playoffs. So, you know, we have a couple teams that are still alive and well for some sort of postseason appearance, either a Celebration Bowl appearance or a playoff appearance. So we're going to go through – all those contenders, as we call them, and, and just, you know, look at what they have coming up down the stretch and what it takes to either get to for them to get to the Celebration Bowl or an at-large playoff bid. Again, if Hampton was in this position, I'd be rooting for an at-large playoff bid, but that's just my uh, own preference. So uh, number one in the conference or in the league this year so far is North Carolina A&T. They're undefeated at 5-0, and 7-1 overall. 
Um, their only loss is to UNC, um, so no shame there. Uh, coming up, they are at South Carolina State, and then they are at home versus Delaware State, and then they're at home versus Central. So uh, I expect them to go 3-0 and down the stretch, but realistically they could lose two of these games. Um, South Carolina yeah. State, that's yeah. a big rival, right? So, I mean, that can go yeah. that way. And South Carolina State, yeah. they're stout. Um, Delaware State, that they should win that one. But And Central is also a big rival. So Central beat them last year. Uh, when mm-hmm. Everything was on the line for A&T. So there's some get back, but they can lose that game as well. So they can lose two of these games, but I expect them to be focused and, and, and take care of this stretch. Um, but the prize at the end, if they win all three games, they go to the Celebration Bowl. Uh, <laughs> if they lose one, um, they probably um, they should get in that large bid. Should they not win the automatic? Should they not win a uh, MIAC title? So if they lose one of these games down the stretch, you know I expect them to to get in that large bid in the playoffs. Um, but if they lose two of these three, then they miss out completely in all likelihood on all postseason uh, scenarios. Um, but again, I, I look for them to to win all three and, and take care of business and, and head down to Atlanta. So uh, what's your thoughts on A&T, man? You know what? I mean, we should have beat A&T. And I, I don't want to get into this what it could have, should have, should have, but we lost because our special team play was terrible. Their offense was pretty much non-existent the whole game. And they just took advantage of our, I would say, our undisciplined play. And I think going forward, you know, they did beat Bethune Cookman at home. Uh, but I think that the meat of their real schedule is coming up, you know. South Carolina State is not a pushover opponent. And I think, they, like you said, they're playing in Orangeburg. That's a very tough place to play. And uh, North Carolina Central, they will have at home, but that will be a spirited matchup. So with that being said, you know, they are getting two, two big-time programs, you know, one at their home and one at home. And, of course, you got Delaware State in there. You know, I'm, I don't want to discount them, but, you know, yeah, they – You they, can discount them. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, since we're going to – yeah, let's go ahead and discount them. But, you know, you, you have two very tough programs coming up on the horizon. And, you know, I think that, you know, you know this will show what they're really made of. You know, yeah, you're 5-0 and in the conference right now. So let's see you play South – South Carolina State's defense, you know, who's a pretty stingy defense to begin with, you know. And, you know, you got a spirited North Carolina Central team who really want to win over at Aggie Stadium. So, you know, if they do win out and they go to a Heritage Bowl, you know, I think that's good for them. But I would love to see them play in the playoffs, you know. Uh, I don't think that they're good enough to be successful in the playoffs because of their, their ineptitude on their offense. But I do think that they their defense is stout enough that they can give uh, a, a top FCS contender trouble at times. Yep, agree. I mean, they do. Their offense, yes, is unimaginative. It's like uh, Tariq Cohen left, Tariq Cohen right, and then jump ball to that uh, tall wide receiver they have. So that's all they do. Mm-hmm. The but their defense mm-hmm. is, is stout. Their special teams are stout, and they don't make uh, they don't commit stupid penalties. So they, yeah. they're going to be in every game. You know, it's just at the end, can they execute? And uh, can Tariq uh, Cohen catch somebody slipping? That's what you're going to do, right? You're going to catch somebody slipping in the third quarter, 
you know, and he's just going to break through, and all of a sudden he's off for 90 yards. I think he did the same thing to us too. So that's that's their method. So I'm, I'm expecting for them to finish strong and, and, and do some make some noise, some sort of noise in the, in the postseason. Um, so our next contender is Bethune-Cookman. So they are 5-1 and one in conference play, 7-2 overall. Um, their only losses were against uh, University of Miami, uh, the U, and to uh, A&T. So I've seen those guys play a bunch of times in person, actually. Um, they're a pretty good team. I think their offense, actually, they're, off, they're, they're probably too conservative. I mean, I think if they open up the playbook, I mean, they can do some damage. I, I've seen them pass the ball pretty well, especially their backup quarterback. He's kind of short. Um, but, I mean, he's nice, man. I mean, the, the problem with him seems to be more the receivers than the quarterback, at least when they decide to let him throw the ball. So I think if they can open up their offense a little bit, trust that guy. And then uh, once they loosen everything up, pound that number one, their running back, because he's good, and let him pound the defense. I mean, they can do some things. I mean, their defense is young, but they're athletic, um, and but they're big and athletic, and, and they can – hold some people back, but, I mean, they're sloppy, so they're going to commit, you know, some turnovers and a lot of penalties. So that's going to ultimately hold them back. But uh, coming down the stretch, uh, they got Morgan State at home, and then they have Florida A&M and the Florida Classic. So two winnable games. Uh, if they win both of these games, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, if they win both of these games, they're either in the, in the Celebration Bowl or they're receiving that large bid. Um, but they get in the Celebration Bowl with some help, um, of course, with A&T, sort of uh, if they implode down the stretch. So I'm not expecting that to happen, but I do expect them to win both of these games and then get in that large bid into the playoffs. So actually, um, it's not a crazy thought because Fox Sports right now has them playing uh, at the uh, Citadel in the playoffs. So Fox Sports and uh, has a, you know prognosticators have them actually receiving that large bid, uh, assuming that they're going to win their last two games. So you know, they take care of business. They will be playing in the, in the playoffs and, and trying to make some noise. So uh, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting them to take care of business and uh, get in that large bid. So uh, any thoughts on Bethune, man? You know what? I mean, I think they've always had a stout defense. Now that we see that their offense is actually starting to show signs of life, you know, they used to play these 14 to 10 type of games now. You've seen them put up a lot of points on, I think it was at Norfolk a few weeks ago. Um, I do think that if they do come in second, they will probably get a bid, you know. I don't see them, I, I mean, I don't see them losing to uh, Morgan nor FAMU. So I do think that they will probably either be, I would say, like get the top spot or the second spot. And, I, you know, I, I mean, I think A&T is in trouble. I mean, I'll say slightly trouble because, you know, they're, they're of course, playing two, I would say, well, well-prepared well opponents. But but don't cook, man. You know, they can easily win these next two games. You know, Florida A&M is a shell of its former self. And, you know, and Morgan State, basically, is similar to Hampton, you know, or just a, a middling program trying to find itself. But I do think that they will probably show a lot of, uh, fortitude in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them make it to the FCS playoffs. Yep, agree. Yep, I, I think they're going to give somebody some trouble should they should they get in. Um, A&T does own a tiebreak over them as well, so A&T beat them at uh, Aggie Stadium. So, um, in order for uh, Bethune to win the conference, uh, 
A&T just has a self-destruct down the stretch. So it looks like it's uh, it looks like it's uh, um, at large bid. They're at large bid bound, and as their faithful will tell you, this is really a rebuilding year. Like they lost Brian Jenkins. They're young all over the place, so folks really weren't expecting much from them this year. So it's a, a good rebuilding year when they're at seven and two at this point in time in the season. So you know, let's see what they do. Um, my third contender is uh, South Carolina State. They're currently at four and one in the conference, five and three overall. So they have some pretty damaging losses. They lost to Coastal Carolina, lost to Furman, lost to Bethune Cookman. So basically, all of the good teams they've played, they've lost to. Um, down the stretch, they play at, of course, they have uh, A&T at home. Then they're at Norfolk State, which they can lose, and then they're at Savannah State. So, um, basically, for them to do anything, they got to win all their games, and then they may get into the Celebration Bowl. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's their fate. But they're still alive for a Celebration Bowl a little bit, but they got to win all their games and then, you know, see how everything else uh, shakes out. But uh, I don't see them winning all their games. Uh, I see them going possibly two and one down the stretch, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lost at Norfolk State to go one and two down the stretch, um, uh, and and then beat Savannah State. So it'll be interesting, but they do have a shot. So anything else about the Bulldogs? You know what? They do have a shot. I mean, I just don't think that their their offense uh, will step up to the plate. You know, Caleb York number twelve. You know, he's a decent quarterback, and you know, I. I've seen some flash out of them, and I just think that the offense is missing a player or two for them to actually be considered NEAC champions. And if they ever got the chance to go to the playoffs, I don't think it would end end fairly well. No, it won't. It won't. It's they've they've, they've proven that this year. But um, the other thing is that they're undisciplined, so they they commit as many penalties as we do a game and penalties and yards so you know they, they probably shoot themselves in the foot at some point in time like we tend to do so mm-hmm. uh, but hey they're still alive so and then final my, my final contender is uh, North Carolina Central so they're only really bad FCS losses they lost uh, to Bethune um, their other two losses were against uh, BCS schools I think uh, Duke and one of the Florida schools like Florida Atlantic or Florida National one of those schools so but only losses, uh, you know, at this this level is uh, to Bethune. Um, let's see. Uh, coming up, of course, they're at Delaware State, at Howard, and at A&T. So, realistically, I, I see them going 2-1 and one down the stretch. Uh, but if somehow they win all their games and they get some help, um, they get to the Celebration Bowl. So, I think they if they win all their games, they would then be tied or they would have the win-loss advantage or at least tied with A&T. And then if Bethune somehow messes up, uh, then Central wins. And uh, <laughs> it looks like Central wins. Oh, they'll be tied with South Carolina State in some crazy combination. But they do have a pass. they got to win all their games and get some help. And they get to they get to Atlanta. So it's a possibility. But in any any chances there at Hampton Lake for Central to get to Atlanta? Um, I think they're pretty much slim to none. It has to be a lot of moving parts. And I just don't see those parts working in their favor. You know, I think they've had a good year, but I just don't see, I just don't see it. So, you know, they'll probably finish maybe second or third or maybe and or just remain in their place where they are at fourth right now. Yeah, agreed. Which, you know, still they're still uh 
you know, making a name for themselves. So that's a pretty good spot to be in for them. So I don't really have any other contenders uh, up after Central of Morgan State's three and two, we're three and three, and then you got everybody else after that. So and amazingly enough, we're, we have a better conference record than Norfolk State. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I would not imagine that. Um, but anyway, they, they they seem better than what their record is, uh, maybe because they beat us. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no other contenders, man. Everybody else is just playing out the string, playing for next year and trying mm-hmm. to get some reps. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting, interesting uh, end of the season. But I, I definitely would love to dive into the Celebration Bowl and some of the thoughts and facts and figures and, and get into that discussion. So a lot to be discussed there in the next uh, up, upcoming weeks. Um, so up next, we got FAMU. We got FAMU at home. Um, it's the game. Only a true fan will love. <laughs> so, you know, let's talk about FAMU a little bit, talk about some uh, some things they do well. So I found two things that they seem to do well. Um, they're third in the league in passing offense, and they're number one in punting. Um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. So other than that, um, their only win this year is against Delaware State. Uh, they beat Delaware State 41-13. to 13. What's their record overall in Florida? And they are 1-7. So, yeah, their win came against Delaware State. So, uh, FAMU is eighth, no, ninth in scoring offense, eighth in scoring defense, last in total defense, last in rushing offense and defense, last in sacks, last in first downs. Get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know what? I've been, I'll say this. I've followed FAMU pretty much for the past couple of years because of our uh, matriarch of a coach, Joe Taylor, you know, who took over the program down there. So, so we still have some of his players that are currently on the roster. And um, their quarterback first, you know, is Carson Boyle. You know, he was Joe Taylor. And I think um, at the time when he recruited some of these players, they're pretty much all seniors now. They fit his type of run first, run heavy offense, you know, pass on third and eight, third and ten, you know, but run it on third and seven. (laughs) And I think the new scheme that Coach Wood has brought to the team does not fit the players that are on the roster, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carson Royal, you know, is is not made for the spread game. He's more of a, I would say, a zone run, power run, um, you know, a rollout type of quarterback that could create. I mean, he's not uh, hes not a very athletic quarterback, but, you know, he lacks a lot of accuracy, and I've seen him miss plenty of open receivers on the field. So I think that will be something that the Pirates can definitely exploit. But I also think that uh, uh, the Rattlers are in a bit of a, a serious transition, you know, philosophy, you know. They did bring in a heralded quarterback, a three-star quarterback in Ryan Stanley. And I think he fits their offense the way that he they, needs to be fit. And I think uh, it's probably wise not to play him um, because the line, I would say, is a little bit uh, – they are a ship that is going down in a sea. There's lots of holes everywhere. Mm. So if you do not want to destroy the uh, – the freshman's confidence, you know, you need to keep his butt on the sideline. Let him get a crack at it next year. But um, FAMU is a team that, you know, they lost to Spanish State. So, 
do we think do I think that this is a beatable game for Hampton? Absolutely. And it's at home. And FAMU has not had a road win since I think last year. No, not even last year, the year before. So this is this should be a must win and uh I would and I would just say that we probably will play our best game in this game. And I think that uh if Antoine is playing, we don't know that he will probably have a game similar to Bethune last year. Or if Watford is playing, it will be pretty much a good game for them as well. But I do think that um, we will pretty much be successful in all phases of the game. I don't know about special teams, but I do think that we would we will exploit their deficiencies. And I think I'll probably say 24-10 Pirate victory. Wow. That's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, pretty cool. Now, I, I expect Hampton to win the game, um, but my my prediction um, is going to be a lot of funk. It's going to be. Um, I don't think it's going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. Um, you know, I, I've sat in enough of these Armstrong uh, games in November, and we're we're out of it, and uh, it's just sort of lackluster. I mean, I've, so I'm I'm kind of envisioning that. You know, we've got these discipline problems, uh, but, you know, we're going to hopefully get these young guys in there, get them some experience, and they're going to be hungry to come out and play and, and, and smack some other people around. So I'm expecting the young guys to bring some energy, but I think it's going to be a lot of ups and downs, two up and down teams, one team that's permanently down, one team that plays up, one team that plays down. So you're going to have some even uneven play to complement that. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, we will get the W and get back to 500. Um, so yeah, I just want to see the young guys get some some run, um, get back to 500, get a better look at Antoine, get some young guys in there. You know, do we have some? You know, do we have another running back who can come in and, and make some plays? Do we have any you know young guys on a line who can and can show some flashes, um, and give them a good game and and, and give us something to uh, sort of hang our hats on as we go into next year. Um, so that's my expect, expectation, but it's going to be some some pretty ugly play uh, uh, during this game. So, uh, but hey, I might even make it there in person and, and, and watch it and sit in there <laughs> in November. But yeah, man, you you know those November games <laughs> when it's a little bit cold, a little bit dreary, starts getting dark about four o'clock. It's going to be oh yeah, it's be interesting uh, interesting setup. I remember one year, man. I was just it was uh, we were sitting there one of those November games and just like a a flock of geese just flew overhead and just pooped on everybody. You know, it's just like <laughs> that's, just the kind of, <laughs> that's the kind of thing you get in November sometimes. So, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we I, I expect us to get the W and get uh, back to 500. So, but uh, no matter what, we'll be back next year to next week to break it down and, and give some thoughts on uh, how to get how the team looks and, and who's coming up next. Absolutely, yep, absolutely, yep. can't wait for it. Yep. So, thanks a lot, Hampton Knight. Uh, Getting a lot of love on the show. People seem to like what we're doing, and we'll we'll keep it going. So that's it for me, and um, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, and I'm just say for KR fan you and what's it too real and uh, West Coast. It's not West Coast rat. Who was that rattler? Uh, uh, I know you're talking uh, about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All you guys eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're listening. Eat it. Yeah, man. Eat it. Eat it. Hey, we got to get them now because when those rattlers are on top, man, they don't stop talking. 
Oh, they're the worst. Yeah. They're the worst. You know, I, I and this is like I told you my Rattler story. You know, I mean, oh God, the Billy Joe era era. That was pretty much like the George Bush era. You know, it's just like you just could not, <laughs> you just could not wait for that guy just to leave. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. No doubt, no doubt. So it'll be good, man. But yeah, we'll catch everybody next week. Oh yeah.